What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind, and spirit, which will ultimately have us dancing with wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Sonora Hager. It's a very special honor to have Mark Green with us today. Mark, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. So it's Mark, uh, for those of you who don't know, Mark is, has been the director of an organization called London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. And this is going to be the first of three conversations that we're going to have about what it means to truly integrate your life and your work. In Dancing with Wisdom, we talk about the four key areas of dancing with wisdom and living with wisdom, being, relating, doing, and leaving. Well, this is very much about doing, the work that we're called to do, the work that I'm uniquely called to do, and that how do I do that in a way that I can flourish, that I can really become all that God intends and calls for me to be. Well, Mark's written a book about that. It's called, it's got it here, I've got it here in my hand, Thank God It's Monday, Flourishing in Your Workplace. And it's a fascinating book that really explores and looks at this from so many different angles. I thought before we look at the book, I wanted to use this time, first of all, in this podcast to get to know Mark. Now, at the back of the book, it's got his bio. Before I read that, I just want to read to you a quote that I, I quote in Dancing with Wisdom from somebody called L.P. Jacks. L.P. Jacks says, a master in the art of living draws no sharp distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his education and his recreation. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence through whatever he is doing and leaves others to determine whether he's working or playing. To himself, he always appears to be doing both. And that's the inspiration of seeing life as a whole. And I know one of your great passions, Mark, is seeing life as one integrated whole. So let me read you then the bio at the back of his book and it'll introduce you to Mark. And we're going to unpack that as well. This says, Mark grew up Jewish and joyous in northwest London. In his last month at university, God wooed him into his kingdom and he went on to work for 10 years in advertising in London and in New York. Gripped by a desire to dig into God's word, he took a career break to study at the London School of Theology. The career break turned into a career change and he ended up on the staff teaching communication and engaging with contemporary culture and serving as vice principal. He joined the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity in 1999. That was the last century, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, it was a thousand years ago. <laughs> a long, long time ago. <laughs> uh, but eager to focus on the call to see all God's people empowered into their whole lives. That's from Monday to Saturday as well as Sunday. And that's in dynamic and fruitful relationships with Christ. And you've gone on to write a number of different books, and one of which is um, a book on the life of the Queen, which has sold over a million copies. It has, yeah. That's amazing. amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, even more, even more, <laughs> and uh, even more importantly, Mark is married to Katrina, who's from Finland, and they have three, as he says, splendidly different, different adult children. He enjoys films and fiction a lot and does, now you get this, a passable imitation of Mr. Bean and a terrible one of Sean Connery. His wife wishes, wishes it were the other way around, and his children wish he wouldn't do either of them. Well, that's a great introduction <laughs> to you, Mark. Um, but let's just kick off, as it were, 
by just asking you, what was it like growing up Jewish and joyous? Well, I guess um, it was joyous. I mean, um, my father came from an Orthodox family. He actually married out, which was incredibly controversial. Right. Um, and a non-Jew. Yeah. Non-Jew. My mother was non-Jewish. They were both from Glasgow. Um, oh, she right. was Celtic picked. Yes. And he was pure, as we've discovered from ancestry DNA, pure European, uh, Eastern European Jew. So, although you told me you're twenty one percent Middle Middle East, I am. I, it turns out that my mother, yes. in her family, has um, has got some, yeah, Northwest Indian or Afghan blood. Twenty one percent. So, Sunil, we, we we're probably <laughs> we're, blood brothers we're somewhere. Kindred relations, we're kindred yeah. relationship, which yeah. explains why she was so very very dark. Actually, she was, she was oh, remarkably oh. dark. We always thought it was the Celtic in her. And, yeah, living you know, in Glasgow uh, would be very different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, but she agreed to bring us up Jewish. So that's what, that's how we were brought up. The family was in in London. Yeah. And uh, so I went to Hebrew schools, Hebrew oh, wow. Sunday school, to learn a little bit about Judaism and the history of the. Uh, so, were you reading the Old Testament in Hebrew at all? No, probably not at that point. Most people at that particular stage, you know, well, we could perhaps read, but we couldn't understand. Yes. There's quite a number of Orthodox Jews in my family yeah. who could scuttle through the. the the Passover service, for example, which, is, as you may know, takes place in the home, faster than Lewis Hamilton goes around a racetrack. But <laughs> very few words would be understood. But there was this tremendous culture, really. Right. You know, okay. the, the food, so the, the sense of family. the culture aspect of being Jewish, yeah, which I can identify with. You know, the sort of cultural aspect of being Indian with the food and the family and, and the noise and the rumbotiousness of everything going yeah. on together like All that. all of that. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so a very happy time, basically, for you two. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it was... It was uh, great time as far as i as i recall and i i love things like the friday night i think the one of the wonderful things in, about if you like jewish culture is it does do this this work of integration mm. you know so there is a service yes. in your home on friday night and uh, you know the mother yeah. prays over the candles and the father yes. prays over the bread and the wine and then yes. if you're in an orphanage so there's a real family involvement in everything together there's a family involvement it's very rich yeah from that point of view yes. and then they have special foods for different festivals and so on and so forth but i think it's the notion that it's the family and then yes. if you like at passover which you know the moment when the jews celebrate the fact that they were liberated from slavery out of egypt yeah. um, by god that service is a story that's told yeah. round a family dinner table. Yes. Maybe the family may be extended on that evening. You may have one or two other people. And, you know, it's, so it's a family occasion again in the home. You may have a really strong sense of, ident of identity and belonging, really. Yeah. Very strong from that that's point amazing, of view. That's yeah. amazing, yes. But then you, in, you say, you know, God wooed you to himself in your early 20s. And so it was coming out of that Jewish culture in one sense. How does that happen? And, yeah, tell us more about that. Well, um, you know, I, I was being brought up in, you know, Britain and I was going to schools where, you know, people are, you know, they're praying once a day at the beginning of the day and assemblies and all those sorts of mm. things as happens um, in many schools today. And I was kind of always interested in God, but um, I don't think, you know, what I was finding in, if you like, my home life was, if you like, a real interest in God. You know, right, there was yeah. the culture, and yes, we went to synagogue from time to time. Yes, we celebrated Passover, but it was culturally driven. Yes. But I was kind of interested. I don't know particularly why. Did you make the connection that this was a Jewish carpenter? No, I don't, probably not at that particular point. No. no. That's an interesting point, isn't it? Although, clearly, yeah. you know, that's that's part of the defence for, for Jewish people, you know. So, I, school was interesting that way, and then I went to Israel um, right, yes. for a year. 
spent a year on a kibbutz and was and absolutely loved that. And then went yes. went to university and was planning to do modern languages, but ended up doing Hebrew studies, not wow. for religious reasons. So so I was quite immersed. Yeah. And at yeah. university, loads of people came to talk to me about God, about wow. about Jesus. Yes. And for three years, I you know I was I'm interested, but I'm not really interested. No. You know, it's kind of. It's, it's a nice a, idea. It's a good conversation. Yeah. And we're having the conversation and I'm interested in the conversation, but I'm I'm not really thinking, does this apply to my life? Mm. And then in my last year, four-year course, so quite a lot of my friends had gone. I, I'd actually got a back injury and, uh, you know, there's some circumstances around this. I'd been going out with a girl for three years and we broke up. I had a lot of time on my hands. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't play as much sport as I'd been used to and so on and so forth. And in my last month, in my last year of uni, this guy came to talk to me who um, was in my year, actually. He was a modern linguist, so he'd also done four years. And he, Where was this? Where was this? This was Cambridge. Cambridge, right. um, yeah. And he, he wasn't a debater. No. I'd, I'd had all the debaters and somehow it became a real conversation. And one day he was sitting in my room, which was about 50 yards from the synagogue, ironically. Right. And he, he said, well, you know, would you like to accept Jesus in, into yeah. your life as your Lord and Savior? I'm sure it was a completely kosher prayer. Yes. And I said, yes. But I, I don't honestly think that it was what you might call an intellectual ascent. Did I understand, what, yes. you know, what was going on? Did I understand that I had rebelled against God? I no, no. no. Was Jesus the answer? I, I felt wooed almost. I felt like he was drawing me into himself. It was more like yes. there was a presence in the room. Yeah. So, so there wasn't like a great need, a great crisis, or anything like that. It was more, as you said, the word you used is is, is wooed, like like yes. a lover is calling. Yes, I mean, I think, yeah. I think you know, you could argue there were some crises. I mean, I'd had this back injury, mm. and you know, I wasn't as fit as I was. But that but, created space to think about these things more. I yeah. think, you know, often that's the way, isn't it? That, mm. that there was space to think and space to ponder. But in the end, it was it was like a wooing. It's almost like a surrender, as a, yes. in, in an embrace. Yes. You know, I think I understand a bit more now. But that was the moment. Yes. Oh, that wow. was the moment. What effect did that have on family, people around you? Or, well, I wasn't very, very good at being. Uh, a young Christian at all. And I remember when I was, yeah. um, the three years later, I was uh, invited to go and work in New York. And some yeah. of my Christmas friend, Christian friends were quite worried because New York had a very bad reputation. Yes. <laughs> Babylon on the Hudson, you know. It, yeah, was, yeah, it, yeah, was, yeah. it was quite an interesting town in the early 80s. And so, I mean, physically dangerous, but, you know, not yes. known for being yeah. being the, cent the epicenter of morality, if you like. Yes. So they were quite worried. And I, I told my father this and he said, Oh, I didn't realise your faith was so important. <laughs> so I'd done a pretty bad job. So it illustrates you're very culturally Jewish, really, in the sense yeah. that it didn't really go that deep. As a well, fan. well, no. But the point is, I don't think he, he necessarily noticed much difference in <laughs> me. That was my point, rather. Okay. But actually, they were they were quite supportive. To yes. tell the truth, they were quite supportive. I never got any negativity from them at all. Yeah. My brother was adopted, Adam, and yeah. he had been on kibbutz and he'd just come back and he he was actually thinking of formally converting to oh. orthodox judaism wow to orthodox judaism yes. so he was quite upset because yes. he's thinking i think of converting to orthodox judaism and, and my brother who's got some ju real jewish blood he's going another way he's going yeah. if you like the other way yeah, yeah. um but actually in the end my brother he also oh, became right. a christian he a few became, years later he became christ as in well. newport as it happens yeah oh. he was on a photography course yeah. fascinating but it's advertising has been your thing yeah it was your thing in London and New York, yeah. what was that about? Tell us, tell us what that was like and uh, things you learnt and ways that you saw God working there. 
I mean, does God work in advertising? He, well, yes, I think he does. <laughs> yes. That's the question. <laughs> yes, it's, uh, yes, I often begin my talks, you know, I used to work in advertising, so you can trust every word you hear from me. <laughs> For some reason, it still gets a laugh. But, uh, um, yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. I was working for fantastic companies. And what, and what, what was it? Yeah, going. What was it you loved about it? What was it there? Well, you know, it's a creative industry. Yes. And the company I was working with had the highest reputation for morality and integrity in the industry because they do surveys about these yes. sorts of things. Yeah, and you yeah. may say honor among thieves, you know, but yeah. so it was yeah. very positive. It's very yes. uh, highly relational, and advertising is creative, and you meet lots of interesting people. Yeah. Uh, God through. is a creator as well. Well, indeed. Yes. And uh, I think that's that appealed to me. And, and what you're often doing in advertising is trying to help people see the benefits of a product or a yes. service in a fresh so, way. So did you make a connection at that point in your life between your faith and the work you were doing, or were they quite separate compartments? They weren't. No, they were quite, they were quite connected quite yeah. early on. Really. Interesting. And maybe from your Jewish background, maybe, do you think that was part of that? It was part of it. Um, I also think, you know, when I went to New York in particular, I think when I was in England, it was less so. Um, yeah. When I went to New York, I kind of met a mentor, really. Right. He was a lawyer, um, and he sort of came alongside me, and he encouraged me, I suppose, in every aspect of my life. And work was obviously a big part of your life. And because I didn't go up Christian, mm. I didn't think that it wasn't meant to be part of my Christian life. Right. You weren't, yes, that's right. I, you weren't inoculated. I wasn't inoculated. I, I yes. hadn't compartmentalized it. Wonderful. So, yeah. you know, it always seemed natural that, you know, I have to think about this. Is this yes. the right thing to do? Is this the right way to behave? Is this the yes. right, does this kind of communication, is that actually healthy for people? Is it yes. helpful for people? Is it, is it yes. manipulative? Is it not manipulative? You ask all the right questions. There. And yes. um, yeah. so it was part of it. And I think also sensing that, you know, wherever you are, Almost whatever you do, you know, there are people around you. Yes. And, you know, how can you, how can you encourage them, you know, to use the technical language, be a blessing to them. Yes. You know, help them along their way as well. So if I, if I, if I understand you right, so both of these things started to, to as it were, grow more and more, both a, a passion for advertising and a passion for, for knowing God better through scripture. Yes. I mean, passion for advertising, I suppose, you know, what. Yeah. Passion for your work. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the thing about advertising is about communication. Yes. So how can you help people see something that you believe is good mm. in a way that helps them to understand the benefit that they might come from it? So, for example, you know, I'd spend a lot of time working on coffee. Yes. And coffee is, is one of two things to people. It's either what gets me going in the morning or it's what they used to call a social facilitator. It's, you know, when, when you say to somebody, would you like a cup of coffee? You do not mean, would you like some brown liquid that comes from beans that were grown between 3,000 and 6,000 feet and then roasted at 454 degrees Fahrenheit and then ground and then popped in with some water and filtered and then poured in a cup. That is not what you, you mean. Right. No, no, no. What you mean is... The let, social connection. The social connection. connection. Yeah. So coffee's a lot about social connections. And it's true. It's, true. It's, how, no, no. it's how we use it in the culture. Yes, and it's, it's how we, and that's what, in a sense what advertising can help. It sort of frames things it around frames us things. And, and gives perspective on things, yeah. But then you had that, was it 10 years, London, New York, yeah. advertising, and then you had this hunger to want to know the Bible better and want to know God better. And so you made this pivot and this shift, yeah. which would have been quite radical. I would have thought your colleagues would have said, what has happened to this guy? <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I decided 10 years in, and it's interesting how these things happen. Actually, what happened was I was offered the job of 
new business director at Ogilvy in New York. Yes. Which sounds, I can tell by your eyebrows, it sounds... Sounds big. It sounds big. It was it was a sort of bit of a promotion. But it, it was just advertising. It was advertising. <laughs> it wasn't that big a job. You know, okay. Sounds like it's very, very senior. It wasn't. Um, you know, it was still a good job, but it wasn't that. And I think that made that... It was a catalyst. It made me think, so what do I want to do? I'd got to a certain mm. level... And I thought I've been thinking about going to yes. Bible college for five years. Maybe this is the moment. Yes. And if I don't do it now, I might never do it. I might never do it. So that yeah. was that was the moment. Yeah. And I didn't go because I wanted to become a vicar or a, no. a minister or a missionary somewhere. I just went because I was genuinely had been turned on to the the Bible, really. Yeah, or yeah, or a hunger to, to know God better and, and what is calling for your life and knowing him better, I think, if that sounds a bit Well, I felt like I was meant to do this. Yeah. But I don't think and and I found the Bible, God did speak to me through the Bible. But if I'm honest, I don't think I thought, I'll go to Bible college and I'll know God better. I no, don't think that. No. I think I thought, I'm meant to do this. This is part of my journey yes. with God. Yes. And not necessarily that, you know, I, I'd seen him do miracles. Wow. Yeah. You know. Do you want to share anything from that or? Well, I mean, you know, for example, you know, what's a miracle? It's when you cannot explain something mm. and the only explanation is supernatural. So. Yes. You know, one afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm minding my own business. My boss's uh, PA, Sheila Lieber, comes back from the dentist. She's had her wisdom teeth out. She is in absolute agony. And she doesn't know why, why is she there, but she's in terrible pain. And I said to her, can I pray for you? So mm. she it's says... It's a strange thing to say in an office to somebody, yeah. Well, like so that. she comes into my office, we close the door, and I'm, you know, I, I pray for her, and the pain completely disappears. Okay. Yes. Instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Go figure. And there's another occasion, you know, my boss, one below the big boss, as it were, she fell over on a running track. The x-ray showed splinters, which, you know, ran the bone, so it wasn't a clean break. They're going to have to do surgery. And I just prayed that they would disappear. Wow. And uh, that they wouldn't have to do the surgery. Yeah. And for some reason, they took another x-ray and they were gone. They were gone. Now, I can't, I can't tell you that maybe, why did they take another x-ray? Maybe because they thought there was something wrong with the x-ray. All I know is, I was told there were splinters. And, yeah, and one day they were, one day they weren't. And yeah. they weren't gone. So, and I, yeah, yeah, and I suppose what, but the conclusion from all that is that God is real, God is living, God is active. He's not somebody just for Sundays. He's somebody yeah. who is intimately interested in every area of life and wants to integrate that. And in a sense, that's the journey you've been on in terms of you came to a place called London School of Theology and you came as a student, but you actually got a job there. I did, yes. Um, they wanted someone to help them with their communications, their marketing, their PR. Yeah. And they originally offered me a half-time job and gave me, gave me some impossible goals to achieve. Oh, right, yeah. And then they turned it into a full-time job. I didn't necessarily achieve those impossible goals. I just told them, you know, I could do everything right. You know, communications is, you know, you can't just go, oh, we communicate and everybody's suddenly going to turn up. You know, no, you know no, what I mean? No, it no. doesn't, doesn't it's work. It's only that. part of the... It's part only of part the, of the jigsaw, isn't yeah, it? And, only, yeah, and some of these uh, things take time. But yeah. I, I was so grateful. I, I, I felt that was the right step. Yes. Um, but it sounds like also that sort of a passion developed for you as well about communicating this idea, concept might be the wrong word, but this understanding that God is interested in everything, this whole life discipleship and integration. And that's when you then joined London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. That is correct. I mean, I th you know, what I realized when I came back from America, having done quite a lot of teaching people, I had to think about work, if you like, uh, as something that God is interested in. God is interested mm. in all of your life. All of your life counts. Yes. Uh, uh, what I realized when I when I came back is it was very, very rare for people to have that integrated view. Yes. 
Now, of course, today... That's right. God is just there for Sundays, just, just, just to label. He's just there for Sundays. He's not interested in the rest of the week. And it's just my like, sort of that religious slot. I'm just saying him to bless all that. But the real work, and I think for lots of disciples of Christ, it's the same thing. The real work is uh, what happens on a Sunday or reading the Bible. It, it's, it, or it's helping the poor. Yeah, or it's all good things, over, yeah. overseas mission or it's... Or it yeah. could be in the home, but it's very rarely what you what yeah. you do day by day. It's yes. very rarely. Yes, and again, I think it's this idea. That not I'm trying to find the right word, but but this understanding that God is intimately interested in every area of my life, everything I'm doing, and we spend so much time at work. <laughs> we do, and I think that's the bigger understanding. The bigger understanding is what you're saying, which is God is interested in every area of our lives. Because if you like, He's created us, and I suppose mm. that that for me is the the key. So what's what's the picture of God that we have, if you like? Yes. And I suppose increasingly I have this sense that, you know, what kind of father is he, if you like? Yes. If he was a father, what kind of father would be? And I suppose for many people, God's a kind of father who, for example, supposing you have a 16-year-old daughter, and this father is only interested in how she's doing in her physics, chemistry, and biology, because <laughs> He wants her to be a doctor, doesn't care yeah. that she's a brilliant dancer, doesn't yes. care that she absolutely loves making korma. She doesn't care yes. about but, this. It doesn't. But he's just got very, it's just a very narrow focus. That's all that really matters. So she grows yes. up thinking that's all that really matters. Yes. And so she's, her humanity is diminished, yes. is suppressed. So it's not just that God's interested in our work. He's interested in, in a sense, all that he's made us to, to be. be. And that's such an exciting and as it were, exciting and liberating uh, understanding to have. And in a sense, obviously, you're so passionate about it, you, you've written a book about that. Um, we're going to talk about that in the next podcast, which is called uh, Thank God It's It's Monday, Flourishing in Your Workplace. Just a little teaser for people to, to listen to the, to, to the next podcast. <laughs> but what's the big idea that you, you, you want to get across? The big idea is... Well, you're in advertising. <laughs> Advertise it to us. Advertise to us why we should listen to the next podcast. Well, you either want all of your life to count or you don't want all of your life to count. Yes. And if we believe that some bits of our life don't count, then what are we doing? Yeah. And I think lots of people don't think what they do every day really counts, has a big purpose. Yeah. And that is actually true for people of faith and, and not no, of faith. faith. Yes. And so what the book tries to do is to show actually not only that God is interested, but why. Yeah. Why would he be interested in, you know, a coder? Why would he be interested in a fine artist? Why would he be interested yes. in a mathematician? Why would he be interested in a plumber? Yes. Why would he be interested in an electrician? Why would he be interested in a in a filmmaker? You yeah. know, why is that significant to him? And how does that contribute yeah. to his purposes for humankind? So I think when people realize, and that's what the book is trying to say, here's a big purpose, whatever you do. Yes. Well, that is, now I'm involved in something really significant. Yes. I'm involved in working with God to make the world a bit of a better place. Well, how? what does that look like? Well, And that's exciting because I can't solve the problems of the world, but I can be a part of that huge jigsaw, if you like, for want of a better word, that he's creating. I didn't know you couldn't solve the problems of the world, Samir. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've written a book about wisdom. Surely you're the man. Well, well, no, I know no. what you mean. That's why so, I called you in, Mark, no, actually. <laughs> no, it is that. We, yes. We've all got a part to play now. Yes. Thank you, Mark. It's for a fascinating conversation. Thank you for opening up to us about your particular unique life journey as well. And it's exciting for us to learn that God can even use an advertising executive. Amazing, isn't it? Miracle of miracles, wonder of wonders. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. 
For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? Make sure you hunger for the wise one. The choice is yours.